welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched a movie talking about The Nightmare Before Christmas. The Nightmare Before Christmas is a 1993 stop-motion animation movie uh, directed by Henry Selleck, produced and conceived by Tim Burton. Uh, it stars the voice acting of Danny Elfman, Chris Sarandon, Catherine O'Hara, William Hickey, Ken Page, Paul Rubens. And Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about what exactly happens in this movie? Sure. So Skeleton Jack is king of Halloween Town, a town where this holiday of Halloween originates and they make Halloween for us every year. Jack is bored with his life as king of Halloween. He has ennui. And he travels through the woods and finds the doors to other holidays, travels to Christmas Town, where he discovers he's inspired by Christmas. His efforts at making Christmas are less than successful, but they inspire him to do an even better job at being Halloween in the future. That's a good nutshell description <laughs> of what that was. Thank you. So we have had a long-running debate, you and I. <laughs> about whether The Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie. Now, it's a Halloween movie. <laughs> well, see, but <laughs> I would say it's The Nightmare Before what? It's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmares but, only exist at Halloween, you're telling there me? There is a song called This Is Halloween. There's a song called Making Christmas. <laughs> Okay, so, to compromise, sort of, I still think it's I've not that big of a compromise, to compromise, sort of, we are recording this a day before Halloween, two days before Halloween, but we are releasing it nearer to Christmas. Technically, it's a Christmas movie, like Die Hard. All right, let's get into, objectively, is this a good movie? I think... That there are aspects of this movie that are objectively very good. The the aesthetic, the mm -hmm. visual design, the animation, and the music are all excellent, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. The animation compared to what is currently being produced in Claymation, it doesn't compare. But it has its own... Gen yeah. Like, you know, like the mouths don't move the same way. The We have an ability now to 3D print yes. these characters so that they can have every single mouth motion. And, with yes. the, and these were hand sculpted, so they're a little different. And it's, but it's got its own, that doesn't make it worse than yeah. what's now. It just makes it different, a different experience. See, and I would say exactly, I would totally agree that it's, not as smooth as contemporary uh, stop motion mm -hmm. as something that like Studio Leica is putting out. Paranorman yeah. is the obvious comparison. Yeah. It's certainly not as smooth. But in terms of aesthetic, in terms of like what they're doing, Paranorman is very much owes an enormous debt to yes. Nightmare Before Christmas. Absolutely. And the even like the way that they move isn't as smooth, but it is idiosyncratic and uh, compelling. Mm, yeah. 
I was just surprised watching it this time, having, I've, I'm not even sure I've seen it all the way through until today. But uh, Which is why you think it's a Halloween movie. <laughs> but it's, I was surprised watching it today how jerky the animation was, because I remembered it from, you know, over 20 years ago when it first came out, that it was so amazing. It was this feat of like, wow, they're doing this claymation so well. And I watch it now and I'm like, oh, it's really jerky. It's not as like good as I expected, but... You're really jerky. <laughs> really? <laughs> but that being said, the character design and like the fact that these characters have solidified in people's mind as like Halloween characters. Like I saw someone today wearing uh, Jack's, a kid wearing a Jack Skellington shirt and a woman wearing uh, Nightmare Before Christmas leggings. Like these, this is just a part of Halloween now, mm-hmm. which is why it's a Halloween movie. <laughs> <laughs> these you characters might not know that uh, the character Santa Claus was created for this movie. <laughs> I thought he was created by Coca-Cola in 1939. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so still objectively, I agree. I think this is a good movie. I think that it uh, is dark but fun, mm-hmm. and it definitely has these compelling, interesting characters that are unusual for for a kid's movie, especially in 1993 or whatever I said this came out in. It's interesting, uh, when you were listing who is involved in making this movie earlier, you listed Chris Sarandon and Danny Elfman. And most people know this, but just so that it's... If we're talking about this movie, we should say, Danny Elfman, who wrote the music, uh, also is the singing voice of Jack Skellington and the singing voice of... Yeah, other people. Other minor characters. Mm -hmm. Chris Sarandon is the speaking voice of Jack Skeleton, but he does... I mean, there's a lot of singing in this movie. Yes. There is a lot of Danny Elfman singing Jack Skeleton. I feel like if you were to compare uh, minutes of vocal performance, Danny Elfman does more Jack Skeleton than Chris Sarandon does. I would say so, yeah. And, like, it's, it's part of the fable of this movie that it was a series of songs stitched together by a dialogue that was, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, well, we have a story, we have songs, let's write some little lines of dialogue to put them together. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see that when you watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like the music is a massive high point. The story is fairly simple and the, is fairly, like, there's not a lot of uh, development in the story. And in fact, like, if I'm talking, if I'm moving already to lowlights a little bit. Yep. Jack's emotional development through the movie doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm. That is, he doesn't, he has ennui, he doesn't want to be Halloween anymore, he discovers Christmas. Christmas resonates with him in a way that it doesn't for any of the other Halloween people. Like, he genuinely wants to understand what Christmas is about. And there's a moment where he says, I might as well give them what they want. And he plays up the, like, Sandy Claus is scary. Mm-hmm. Well, I may as well give them what they want. 
And the best, I must confess, I have saved for the last, for the ruler of this Christmas land is a fearsome king with a deep, mighty voice. At least that's what I've come to understand. And I've also heard it told that that is something to behold, like a lobster, huge and red. When he sets out to slay with his reindeer on, carting bulging sacks with his big great arms, that is so I've heard it said. And on a dark cold night, on a full moonlight, he flies into a fog like a vulture in the sky. And they call him Sandy Claus. <laughs> Well, at least they're excited, but they don't understand that special kind of feeling in Christmas land. Oh, well. And then he has a song where he says, you know, maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe we can just do Christmas. Or perhaps it's really not as deep as I've been led to think. Am I trying much too hard? Of course, I've been too close to see. The answer is right in front of me. Right in front of me. It's simple, really. Very clear, like music drifting in the air. Invisible, but everywhere. Just because I cannot see it doesn't mean I can't believe it. You know, I think this Christmas thing is not as tricky as it seems. And why should they have all the fun? It should belong to anyone. Not anyone in fact, but me. Why, I can make a Christmas tree. And there's no reason I can buy. I couldn't have a Christmas time. I bet I could approve it too. And that's exactly what I'll do. <laughs> that first thought of like, I want to experience this new thing. I want mm-hmm. to actually get at Christmas. He kind of just abandons that and never goes back to it. And that character growth, like he's more, his character regresses. Yeah. <laughs> he's a more complex and nuanced emotionally character before than after. He yeah. ends the story being like, well, I'm going to go back to being just me. Yeah. And it's, I think there's some there's something really compelling about it, but it's partly that there's the songs that are emotional tent pegs, and the connective tissue between them is not as strong as mm. the tent pegs. So like you have to get him from here to here, and I he just kind like of does. It's maybe a journey of he tries to to find something new, and then realizes how much he loves the old thing he he was doing, and he could do it in a new way. Is kind of his growth. I think so. I think that's right. I agree with you. But his... The, what's, the, what's this song? He's genuinely moved by Christmas. Mm, yeah. And then there's no... Yeah, there's That no never reconciles. That. Yeah. There's no dealing with that. And he ends by, you know, like... Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might be right. Um, the l- lowlights for me were... Sally didn't get enough singing. Mm-hmm. She has like the one song, and so it makes her feel like she's a little bit removed in a lot of ways from this movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a a downside. Um, so we talked objectively. What about your enjoyment of this movie? And t- to talk about that, you said a second ago that you haven't seen this movie all the way through, maybe. Yeah. Like, is this, this is a Halloween slash Christmas classic for a lot of people. Yeah. How about for you? 
It's not for me. And frankly, I don't know if it'll ever be. I like the songs, but it just fails to hold my attention. And I'm I'm sad about that. But See, it just kind of, I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. Maybe that was just the mood I was in when I was watching it. But It's interesting because in terms of enjoyment, like for me, I watched this movie in theaters. I've watched it many, many times. I was astounded to hear that you haven't ever seen it through because I think like, have I not watched it every year? Have I not watched it twice a year? Maybe not. In my mind, I'm like, well, I watch it every Halloween and then again every Christmas. I feel like I've seen this movie hundreds of times. I don't, somehow not with me. <laughs> um, and I have enormous affection for it, partly nostalgic. And like, I'll, we'll problematize this in the way too seriously section, but at this point, I'm just going to say that like, Jack and Sally at one point was like my romantic ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> when I thought of a romantic couple, you know, it's one of the movies that I watched at a point in my life, a point in my emotional development where I watched it was like, yeah, yeah, that looks pretty nice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Have, we, we dressed as Jack and Sally one year for we Halloween. We did. It was great fun. Mm-hmm. I think it was a great costume. And yes. it was partly because, like, Jack and Sally was one of the points in my life where I was like, yeah, Getting together with a girl and, like, holding hands and maybe kissing, I think I would like to do that. Mm, yes, I see. <laughs> you know, that's what I mean when I say a romantic ideal. Yep. It's like a turning point in my emotional development yep. is this movie. And I still, like, have warm feelings about the mm-hmm. two of them. Absolutely. So should we get into the way, way too, too seriously serious portion of our show? Let's. So if we're going to talk way too seriously about this movie, I want to... My opening gambit mm-hmm. to be Oogie Boogie. No, oh, all right. Why is he Haiti themed? Is he? Well, aesthetically, his lair is very like. Uh, here's here's actually a, he's, he's gambling themed. He's not not Haiti directly. He's New Orleans themed. Yes, he looks exactly like. His aesthetic is exactly like the Shadow Man from The Princess and the Frog. That's Haiti by way of New Orleans. Like, he's voodoo. Mm. He's, I think, New Orleans-ified, American-ified voodoo. So I say Haiti-themed, and I'm saying that deliberately, provocatively. But, like, he's coded as culturally different from the rest of Halloween Town. Hmm. And he's the only villainous member of Halloween Town. The rest of them. That's our job. But we're not being in our town of Halloween in this town. Their job is to scare people, but they're not mean. They don't actually want to harm people, they have fun scaring people. Oogie Boogie. actively wants to harm people, and he is, he gambles and has, uh, like, the bone theme. He's New Orleans-themed. Gambling is also connected to New Orleans themes, I think. Is it? Yeah. I'm, I just, he's, like, like, Mardi Gras-themed I am not really aware of this. This is, does not seem like, it's felt like it was gambling-themed, but it was, like, casino-themed. It didn't feel particularly 
strongly to any region or race. I don't know. Maybe you're right, but... Well, I mean, we could interrogate why he's gambling-themed, because that doesn't really make any sense. No. It has never made sense to me, until this watch, why he's gambling-themed. Like, that's just kind of a weird Mm -hmm. detail. But then I was like... He's gambling themed because uh, he's gambling themed, and he's like a southern gambling town, like a gambling on a steamboat kind of theme. Mm. His aesthetic, I think. Yeah. And I noticed probably this is the first time I've watched it since I watched The Princess and the Frog. Honestly, even though I watched that a long time ago, I this is a movie I like, but I obviously haven't come back to as often actually as I do in my mind. So maybe this is the first time I've seen it since I saw The Princess and the Frog, and I thought mm-hmm. how much aesthetically he's like the Shadow Man. Mm-hmm. That ties him into voodoo. The Shadow Man also is a gambling man. Yep. I don't know all the nuance of why that would be, but like he's connected to the Shadow Man because he's voodoo. He's he, he I mean, Haiti is the source of voodoo by complicated ways, but basically voodoo comes from Haiti. So, I think that there's some problems Yeah, I can there. see where it's problematic. I don't think it's an enormous problem. I think it's actually a pretty... You have to dig pretty deep to get to it. Yeah, I definitely did not notice or see that. I felt like he was uh, freaky, and he was... A bit coded, like, he's the only African-American actor in it, and he's coded the evil one. There's also shrunken heads in Mm -hmm. this that are shrunken heads are scary Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I kind of want to debate you on this and say that you're wrong, but I don't actually have enough information to say that. I just feel like we don't, neither of us have enough information about that, and I feel like you're pulling it out of your butt. <laughs> I don't think I am. Okay. Maybe we'll I leave think, that up to our listeners. I don't think I am. I think that if you, listener, know more about uh, all everything. kinds of everything, <laughs> if you want to make an argument, please do. I think that there is some unintentional uh, coding of him as Caribbean mm-hmm. not just as black but specifically as Caribbean and even more specifically as uh, Haitian voodoo and light. That's the only problem with that is because he's a villain. It's because not he's the only like villain. that existing isn't a problem in, no. in and of itself. It's because it's that existing in a villain. Yes. Okay. Okay, maybe I get that. Yeah, that existing would be great, and I'd be for it. And in fact, I kind of like the way that Halloween Town is a bit of a mishmash of Halloween traditions and uh, backgrounds, and like there's movie monsters, and there's like things that are completely made up, and mm-hmm. there's like a very a, a, a there's real. Ma- there's mad scientists and scary dolls and skeletons and everything. Yeah. I really like the aesthetic, and I really like the way the aesthetic is just like, mm, everything creepy, let's put it all together. Yeah, absolutely. But I want to call a little bit of attention to the fact that the only truly villainous character is the one who is... Uh, racially coded. Racially coded. Racially yep. othered. Yeah. Um, the other thing is Sally, 
mm-hmm. in way too seriously about this. And watching this again, maybe I haven't seen all of it before, but like their romance is completely tacked on and pointless. She like stalks him from afar. And then at the end, he suddenly, he basically like, hey, I noticed you, let's kiss. Yeah, totally. Like, that's... There's an interesting thing about that. I feel like um, totally watching it and not, this is not my first time noticing that I, this, I said a second ago that it's like a romantic ideal in my memory, but I have noticed long before this watching that it's pretty unmotivated tacked on romance. Yep. Having said that, I wonder if we see the romance almost entirely from her perspective. And emotionally for her, it makes sense because she's feeling alienated and misunderstood, like she doesn't have a place in the world. And Mm -hmm. then she sees the most loved, revered person in her world feels the same way. And it's very compelling to her. And she, we don't follow his emotional arc connected to the romance arc at all. He's doing different things. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there's an argument to be made for I wonder if there is a way of redeeming that romance partially by the fact that just she's the protagonist of it. So it's about her of what? Of the, the romance arc. Okay, but she's not the protagonist of the movie. No. So maybe there isn't a uh defense of it. Just he notices he's like, "Oh, I never noticed you. Let's kiss." I agree. That's uh, lame and flat. But often what happens is that we follow the emotional arc of the character we care about, and other characters are there to provide them with the emotional closure that they need. Mm -hmm. Is there something... Is there something worth uh, while about that the female character is the protagonist to... Maybe not. No, I don't think so. No, I disagree. Okay. She's not the protagonist of the movie. She is a side character, and she is uh, the typical female support who's just there to fall in love with the male lead with no... She does have some agency in her... uh, She leaves her master creator guy and goes off and does her own thing, but I feel like her character... Her characterization where she's just, like, googly-eyed over Jack the entire movie without him paying attention to her is just a problematic character. And it's, once again, with one female character, she's the only one who, and that all falls on her. Very much with you on that. I suppose what I'm driving at is just that um, she's an uh, anti-manic pixie dream girl. Hmm. She is not exist for him to fall in love with so that he can self-actualize. He Mm. exists for her to fall in love with so she can self-actualize. That is true. I can see that. That's what I was trying to drive at and failing. Okay, I can see that. I don't think, I think that that's, you know, a minor caveat because Mm. I I totally agree with your main points that like the romance plot isn't fully developed. It's Mm -hmm. lame that her plot has to be a romance plot. Yeah. It's lame that her motivation is all about... (gasps) Ah, Jack's so dreamy. Yeah. Like, I'm not debating you on that at all, and I totally am a thousand percent with you that 
Well, it's because there's one female character exacerbates all of this. Yeah, exactly. And because the movie can't think of anything a female would want to do except be involved in her love plot. Yeah. So she has nothing to do except fall in love with him because that's what girls are good for. The three kids, one of them's a girl, right? Yeah. So, like, that is another female character. and And that, in that, that's very much just, like, they're all three the same, which is a point in this movie's favor. There's also... Just all the side characters, all of them are fairly agender. Like, there's there's witches, there's monsters, there's not a lot, aside from Sally, there's very little coded gender at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a few of them who are, like, the guy in overalls with a... Uh, Axe in his head? Axe in his head is pretty male. I mean, not, I guess, not in the way they look. Like, the witches look female, the mm-hmm. monsters look, a lot of them look male. But I do feel like, in terms of just the way they are, a lot of them could be male or female. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, which is good. And especially the ones who are least human could be, which there's many of them, mm-hmm. are like... It's a bat. Is it a male bat or a female bat? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Which I appreciate. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, any other seriously things you want to talk about in this movie? I mean, we could uh, take it way, way too seriously and How? talk about this as a representation of where holidays come from being mm. actively ahistorical. And actively very American. Yeah. Or very, you know... There's Christmas, there's Easter, there's St. Patrick's Day, there's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving are the standard holidays. Well, not in many parts of the world and not even in all of America. Like, you know, you're missing a lot and you're adding, you know, Thanksgiving is celebrated, you know, in America and in Canada, not even at the same time. It's not, it's, you know, it's just, I think of Thanksgiving specifically as a very American holiday. And there's, I mean, there's a... there's a Simpsons joke where Krusty the Clown does a Christmas special and Lisa says, isn't Krusty Jewish? And Bart says, Christmas is a time when people of all faiths come together mm-hmm. to worship Jesus Christ. Yep. And there's a bit of that going on in this movie. Like Easter, Christmas are secularized, extremely mm-hmm. secular, but also ubiquitous. Uh, yeah. Like Diwali is not a holiday that exists in any way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there isn't a Diwali tree. No. Um, so there's some problems there with a very American perspective, a very, like we said a second ago, that the characters are, are many of them are agendered, but there's some problematics with, like, it. the movie kind of often assumes that that means male, mm-hmm. and the characters yep. are often a-racial, but the movie kind of assumes that that means white by casting yes. white actors. Yep. And there's also, this is secular, but the movie kind of assumes that secular means American Christian Yep, absolutely. Tradition. Christmas exists. Christmas is a thing. Uh, Hanukkah isn't. Yep. And, and you can go in both directions where Christmas is a thing that is only about Santa Claus and elves and not at all about what Christians celebrate, which is the birth of Christ. And it's also 
Christmas is something that everyone celebrates, Christian or non-Christian. It doesn't matter. You're going to celebrate Christmas because we force you to. And I don't like that either. Like, it's both sides yeah. I don't like. It's the stupid middle that and I mean, frustrates me. This is a thing that, like, in terms of way, ser- way too seriously, and I might even cut this out if it's too much, but, like, as a Christian, it bugs me that everyone celebrates Christmas because I kind of feel like you should celebrate Christmas if you actually care about Jesus. Yeah, and same with Easter. <laughs> and same with Easter. So... There is an aspect of like uh, Christian uh, colonial, Christian cultural colonialism that mm-hmm. uh, if you're an atheist in America, you're an atheist against the Christian God. You don't actually have a position on uh, Kali. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know why I pick Kali out of a hat, but just because. Yep. Uh, and it's the same way that like, well, there you secularize Christian religion. <laughs> Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like Christian holidays get secularized. That kind of sucks for everyone who isn't Christian, and it also kind of sucks for Christians, and it also kind of sucks for truly secular people who don't want their lives to be uh, watered down Christian holidays. Mm-hmm. So, the whole thing of holidays has some way too seriously to unpack in there, yeah, and we're absolutely. kind of tacking that on right at the end of this episode without mm-hmm. digging into it very deeply. But I feel like we should at least. Yeah, mention that. Yeah, absolutely. So, is this movie good? Is this movie seriously good? I think for what it is trying to do, this movie is quite good. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's a bit of a weird movie. So, it's not fair, I think, to compare it even with something like Paranorman. Mm -hmm. Because it's not that a narrative in the same kind of way. It's more, even more than usually a movie where the music has to just carry the story. And I think it does. Yes, sort of. (laughs) <laughs> you think it's not very good I think it. I think it's good Okay We have to compromise on this I'll, one I'll meet you at good Thank you Is it seriously good? It's pretty good Yeah I'd It's say seriously like, pretty good Yeah Medium to good Yeah Yeah I'd say it's medium well Yeah I'd say so <laughs> our, our comparison system has become stakes Yes Seven stakes out of ten All right this is a weird like Halloween slash Christmas episode, but we're airing it closer to Christmas than to Halloween, about halfway, maybe. Got that. So where can all the people who want to talk to us about how much they love Nightmare Before Christmas, how it's such a classic and how dare we, where can, how can they reach us, Paul? <laughs> how dare we? I like it. You, yeah, you're the one who's a Nightmare Before Christmas pooper. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, they can reach us on Twitter. At WTSCast. You can reach us by email at way too seriously cast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We will read and respond to anything you send to either of those things. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Reddit and all the things that there are, and you can by Googling us and linking it, and I'm not even gonna waste your time. <laughs> if you like what we do, you can support us in the standard ways of rating and reviewing us, and you can also uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash clockworkscast. A little behind the scenes for you. Every single week we do this, and I don't think I ever get through patreon.com slash clockworkscast without patreon slosh clocks, like clock to slosh clock. Clockworkscast. Clockworkscast. So that's patreon.com slash clockworkscast 
and you can support us for whatever you want to, and there's fun stuff that goes along with that. You can find that out there. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening. I've been Jan Moffat. I've been Paul Moffat. And, uh... This is Paul and Jan. This is Paul and Jan. This is our podcast where we talk about stuff. This is Paul and Jan. This is Paul and Jan. Paul and Jan. Way too seriously. Way too seriously. Do, 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 do.